Well, Jesus was once asked, which are the really important of the commandments? That, that reading went on for quite a long time. I don't know if you noticed. Um, and Jesus was asked, yeah, well, that, that, that's all right, but it goes on a lot. Um, you know, can you give us a kind of short version? And he said, well, there's, uh, after loving God, which is the first set, the really important thing is to love each other. You see, Jesus looked at all the stuff in the commandments and said what it all amounts to is love. See, most of life, people get together because they are like each other. They went to the same kind of schools, they live in the same kind of area, they've got the same kind of money, whatever it may be. But the point of God's people is that it's supposed to be different. We are supposed to be different from one another. Men and women, boys and girls, rich and poor, smooth and hairy, short and tall. I like that bit. <laughs> and it, but because we're different, it would be easy to split off from one another. And Jesus says, no. If you love each other, despite those differences, you're going to be keeping those commandments. Well, let me tell you a story. Jesus had a young friend, and we hear a lot about him in the Bible. He's called John. Now, most of Jesus's really close friends, unfortunately, were killed because they followed Jesus. But amongst his friends, the one that we're pretty sure that wasn't killed, that lived out a long life, was John. John got to be a church leader in a town called Ephesus, which is now in the country that we call Turkey. But eventually he became very old and he wasn't able to do much and he would be carried around on like a bed. And because people knew he hadn't got long to go, they'd rush up to him and they would say, John, tell us, what is the most important thing we need to know? Well, I guess he remembered because he'd written this down in a couple of his letters that are also in the Bible. And he, 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 he just said to them one thing, little children love one another. They weren't, they weren't, he wasn't only talking to the children, though he probably was, but he was talking to everyone who, from the point of view of loving one another, may as well have been a child. Little children love one another. Now, they're not bad words for a church leader to say as they're preparing to leave their people. Which brings us to today. I've now been rector here in post for 20 years, four months, and five days. But it is time to leave. We had no idea when we arrived that we would be in place for quite so long. Cancer has kept us here longer than we expected. But that started to fade as an immediate concern a couple of years ago, although you may not realize that Natalie uh, has to have continuing treatment and will do indefinitely. And I realized a few years ago that the landscape of Norwich had changed around me. When I arrived, there were very few options for evangelical Christians, uh, especially Anglican ones, and now there are very many. I'm delighted that our bishop has pursued a policy of strengthening evangelical witness across our city and indeed across our county. 
Many years ago, a curate at Trinity, Rob Gladstone, stood up and said, let's face it, if we at Trinity belonged, uh, we lived in London, we would belong to uh, at least three different churches. But we're not in London. So can we at least get on and love each other? But now, all those church options are in place in Norwich. I happen to like wide, open horizons. I don't think I'm very good with narrower options. But I understand that the time has come when something more focused may be needed, and then it's time to move on. Furthermore, I am sure, utterly convinced, that Trinity needs to work with that changed landscape to pay attention to the local community in ways that it hasn't done for 50 years or so. I'm personally sure of that direction, and I've been very happy to lead the change. But I also know that even if it's the right direction, it's not my strength or gifting. That needs another set of gifts and another leader. So where next? Well, uh, in the course of the last year, the current bishop in Europe uh, made it clear to me that he would be very glad if I would come back into that diocese, and that seemed good to us. There were some options, uh, but the one that looked most promising was the church in Amsterdam, and that is where we are going. There are four congregations there of medium size, and spread through the city, suburbs, and outlying towns. It is, again, a wide focus, which I think I flourish in. So let me put up some dates for you. Our house is apparently four meters below sea level. Um, We're going to have our last Sunday here on the 10th of April, and we're going to combine the morning services on that day with a later start to allow for a lunch together. Then there'll be evening service, uh, a little, obviously a little later after that. I've then got a week of training and some holiday before moving leave really kicks in. Uh, we expect to move around the 9th of May, And then my licensing service is fixed in Amsterdam for the afternoon of the 22nd of May. And I remain formally the rector of Holy Trinity until the 22nd of May. And the processes uh, of looking for my replacement can't start until the day after that. Uh, Much of our attention, Natalie's and mine, and indeed our whole family for the last few months, uh, has been on the physical act of downsizing to a much smaller house, including getting rid of things that have been around for a while. (laughs) I'm sure it will be good for our souls, but it is hard to say goodbye to things that we have cherished or have special memories of Norfolk for us, just because there isn't going to be any space. And so we're going to be having a mega house clearance here in this space on Saturday, the 19th of March at church, with much of our stuff available in return for donations to chosen charities. Now, you're not going to remember all of what I'm about to say, but I do want to say a little, and we will say more over time, about what happens in respect of replacing me. 
The church council is utterly key. That is the body that is going to be deciding on the job that needs doing and the kind of person who will best be able to do it. The council then appoints a couple of people called the parish reps and says, now go find that person. They work with what are called our our patrons, who are like our sponsors, and they manage the process. In our case, the patrons are the Church Pastoral Aid Society. One of their staff, James Lawrence, came to preach recently, and that was not irrelevant. uh, They guide and work with the representatives. Now, a wise council will ensure that a profile is put together only after there's been a full consultation with the congregation. But it isn't a democracy. It is the council, your elected representatives, who put that profile together. And even now, it's worth saying that it's all going to take a while. It doesn't even start till I've left in May. And a normal process can take anything between 10 and 18 months. It's really important not to rush. There's there's going to be a desire, of course there is, to have someone in post as soon as possible. But we're talking probably about the next 7 to 12 years. So a few months more is okay. It's important to take the time to breathe, to stand back, and to ask what direction is God asking us to take. You will have my prayers in that, but only my prayers. It is a strict rule that I am in no way involved in the process, and I am very glad I don't want to be. You've got a great council at the moment, and they are in a good place to discern before God what is needed. Now, children, if there are any still awake, (laughs) I'm afraid this is all rather dull for you, although you will perhaps remember the day not only that Phil Courtier took an axe to a tree trunk, but the day the rector said he was leaving. But I am glad you are here. I hope that those who are thinking about the next rector will talk with you as well about what the church needs, because you matter very much. Certainly, you've mattered to me, and I'm glad we're all together today. And let me say finally something about the period between my leaving and the new rector's arrival. It is rather convenient and no doubt part of God's plan that we have a rector, a a curate, who is finishing his training right now. Will will emerge, as it were, from his training period at Easter. And he's going to have day-to-day responsibility for pastoral issues. But he's not actually in charge. And that's mostly to protect him from inappropriate expectations at a time when there's a lot to do. The ones in charge are the church wardens, because they are, after all, the officers of the bishop in an Anglican parish. You'll know they are already undertaking a great deal, not least since Steve has retired. And I hope there will be a huge increase, and I do mean huge, it needs to be, in the voluntary service that everyone offers to our church to relieve the burden on Will, who will still for a a while have nights broken by Timothy, and particularly on the wardens who may themselves well be involved in the selection process. 
I know that in most parishes, and I've been a rural dean, so I know how it works. I know that in most parishes, there's a tremendous sense of pulling together at a time like this. And that will be greatly valued. But there's no getting away from it. It is a tough time ahead. But it is also a new opportunity to depend on God and on what his plans may be, to breathe new life, fresh air, new vitality into the church that, after all, is his design and his body. There will be stresses, because passions will run hot. Some will say, we need to go this way, and some will say, no, we need to go the other. And some will be convinced that we simply must, beyond all question, go both ways at once. I don't know. And they may be right. They may very well be right. I suspect that brave decisions are going to be needed. But the test to apply, as you, the congregation, hear different voices in your coffee times, and as uh, conversations come out from the church council, the test to apply, I suggest, is this. It comes from our reading and what Jesus does with it. Is the voice I am listening to one that loves one another? Amanda is going to be leading our prayers now. But I'm guessing that because she is a church warden, she won't find it very easy to pray for herself and for Mike uh, in this coming period. So will you let me end this part of our time together by praying for our church wardens and for their service under God? Let's pray. Silence to welcome God's presence. Are you going to pray? Sorry. You're going to pray. Sorry. <laughs> and Lord God, that is a silence in which you are here with us. It's not just the silence of us being quiet. It is the silence of your presence. And we pray for ourselves as you are with us. We pray for this church in the months that lie ahead. And particularly we do pray for Amanda and for Mike. We ask that you would uphold them. We pray for Amanda particularly. She's recently started new work. And we pray that you would fill this church with a, a fresh spirit of longing to see your will done in our area and this parish and place. And may that be a spirit that serves and picks up what might otherwise get dropped in these months. Bless Amanda and Mike with a spirit of discernment for all the weeks and months that may lie ahead. And let them know of your good and delighting purposes for the church for which Jesus died. Amen.